Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. As we said, people that are looking to buy the business, especially kind of professional investors, are looking for some level of, again, they, they some level of risk mitigation. And they're looking, for, and part of that risk mitigation is the success of the business. So from a profitability standpoint, they're looking for typically margins, a margin percentage, because there's margin dollars, margin percentage, typically want a margin percentage nowadays of at least 20%, preferably 25 or 30%. Jamie Davidson, welcome to the Fearless Sellers podcast. You have helped several businesses get a premium exit, including my business. You helped me exit my business in 2022. Very excited to dig into all things about building your business to get the most money from your sale, from exiting. Yeah, excited to be here, Joey. I'm looking forward to the topic. Is now a good time to even sell a business? Yeah, it's a great question. It's one that people do wonder about a lot in an environment. And my short answer is there's certainly layers to that, is that the reality is that buyers, people that would look to acquire a business, are always looking for we call good quality businesses. So the answer is yes. It's with the dependency of, you know, if your business is in a good position to sell. And matter of fact, I would recommend not focusing on kind of the macroeconomic uh, factors more so than just focusing on the quality of your business and whether it's ready to sell and whether it meets your objectives and goals to, uh, to sell the business. And when you're talking about goals to sell the business, like when do you set those goals? Yeah, so it's one of the things we find most people wait too long to think about it. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of things I like to phrase or position people for, which is I'd love to begin with the end in mind, which applies to a lot of things, but certainly applies to your your business and planning around it. So um, you want to go as soon as possible. We find most people tend not to because they're more focused on just, you know, getting this business started. Is it going to work? And then in some cases, people are running the business the whole time and they just don't, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. And also when you're starting, especially on Amazon, you don't really know where your business is going. You can't predict the future and you know it's a business. I mean, unless you had a product that was selling really well before, but it's still pretty new platform to the product that you're selling. So it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to exit for, you know, six multiples or eight figures in five years. Although when I started to build my business and I, you were my mentor and I was learning from you, you did put it in my head around month two or three thinking about, Hey, I only want to run this business for two years, max, maybe five if I really need to. And I had to make sure that I was doing everything that it was going to be sellable. It was going to be something that somebody wanted. So I thought about that, and it was a tip that I had gotten from you. Yeah, and the reason I think we had that discussion, my perspective, is because you were running the business so well. Uh, and it's definitely someone I think everyone should think about. But you know, the key, you have to have the business operating reasonably well so you get to that point. And so it was a natural conversation with it. The other thing I would say you know, to your, your point is that the idea of even selling a business, especially in the Amazon space, we talk about the Amazon industry or selling on Amazon, it really isn't 
that old, right? A decade ago is like, wow, you're, you know, people are, that's a long, long time ago. The reality is most businesses have been sellable for, you know, 50 years, a hundred years, you know, people have been in this space, whether, you know, investors, private equity, venture. So that business is kind of, or that model's matured, but it's really new to this space. So a lot of people, when they started this business, it wasn't just not that they didn't know, it didn't really exist until the last few years that there really was this market to potentially exit your business, or at least a more defined market. And you've been selling for over a decade. And when you were building your business, were you thinking that way? Like, hey, we're gonna build this incredible, Mm -hmm. I mean, nine-figure business and sell it? Uh, No, not at all, for a couple of reasons. And I know we'll, we'll probably talk about the potential type of buyers out there, but before I was in the e-commerce space, the Amazon space, I was in kind of the private equity-backed, uh, I call it private equity-backed company space. So I was an operator called a, a hired gun. So these investment groups would buy companies, and then they would want to bring in kind of hired guns, professionals to that were used to running bigger companies. So I was one of those guys. And so when I was running those businesses, I, I kind of understood, and none of this had to do with, uh, with e-commerce, right? These are different type of businesses, more traditional businesses. And so with that in mind, with this business here, we're first into it. First of all, when I would talk to the private equity guys early on, before I was just getting involved in it, they were like looking at this Amazon thing like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And they would talk about like, oh, there's some like really big revenue here, this growth. They're like, we don't know because investors and people buying business, the first thing they really look at is they assess risk with the business. And so they're looking for kind of a history of that category and track record. There was no track record in this space whatsoever. So that's the first thing. The second reason why I wasn't thinking about that was the way these businesses initially began and the opportunity was like the wild, wild west, the way you built these businesses. And so with that, the tactics you used, it really wasn't about building a brand. It was more about exploiting the loopholes that existed back then. It was super aggressive to compete. So now you call it like black hat technique. So it was really more about cash flow and understanding, wow, this is an incredible opportunity to, to grow a business and make money, which was really exciting. But it wasn't what it is now, which is this ability to like be strategic about building an asset and then exiting that asset and getting a really big payday. That makes a lot of sense. So cash flow is always the first thing people look at. And that's what they looked at when I was selling my business. And I look at that when I'm looking to purchase a business. But you're right, when you're building an Amazon and even an e-com business, there's so many more assets. What are some of those assets that make your company more valuable? Yeah, so some of it's more nuanced than people would think. So one of the things, the first thing that comes to mind is how well you are prepared. Is your business prepared to be sold? So. If you are showing up to a to negotiate, and there's different ways you can hire someone to help, you know, as an advisor, you can go right to a marketplace. You can take your business to marketplace. You can find strategic uh, buyers. Again, we'll go more in detail about that. But so there's a lot of different ways you can reach out. You can reach out directly to an aggregator. But if you do that and you show up, uh, there's a big difference depending on how much work you've done before that point. So if you just show up to the table and you haven't put a lot of thought or preparation in your business. That you're going to get a certain level of valuation. If you've prepared your business, your financials, you have uh, them all in order. You've got a forecast in plan. You've got uh, documented SOPs and processes uh, that makes the business easier to hand over to someone else. Then all those things are going to make your business more valuable 
than if you didn't. Yeah, you just reminded me of when I was building out my financials and looking at the full picture of my business. There was a lot of money that we spent on the design of the product, right? Just the metal, the people, like everything that it took to actually design the product. And the buyer will never have to spend that money again, right? Yeah, so yeah, so those are, that's great. Those are really important things that can help you. And it goes to your other point, which I know you spend a lot of time in this too, which is how do you protect your asset? Because we talked about earlier that people think the first thing they look at is the, the a buyer looks at the financials. No, the first thing they look at is risk. Is this business gonna be sustainable? Am I gonna lose my whole investment? So along that point, they wanna see some level of defensibility of what you've built. And so things like uh, any kind of IP that you have, any kind of potential patents, certainly trademarks or fundamentals, but that is all super important because you've done this great work. If you can protect it and have a some element of what, you know, the moat around what you've done, then you're gonna get uh, all that more of uh, multiple in value for what you've done. Uh, you just used the word moat on my podcast, <laughs> building a little fortress like a, <laughs> around you. I love it. You also talked about risk. And going back to kind of one of your first points of when people are looking to buy a business, there's the risk of not knowing the Amazon space. And investors, venture capitalists at the time when you were building your business, learning how valuable it is, they don't want to take that risk because they don't understand Amazon. So is that part of why you've gotten into helping brands sell? Yeah, so it's it kind of evolved naturally for me. I, what I saw, you know, so this Amazon e-commerce space is like this funny little world, right? People were wondering, is this a legitimate industry? Probably years ago, is this like selling on eBay or people like sitting in their underwear in their mother's basement, like of selling this stuff, right? So it's kind of like, wait a minute, why is you know why is someone who you know just like both of us from successful corporate backgrounds, why are we all in on this space? So. There's, there's some element of that, just like you said. Uh, over time, it's been proven out, especially the last few years. It really started with Thrasio uh, a few years back when kind of the first aggregator and they proved it out. And they became the uh, one of the first companies, aggregator grew to evaluation over a billion, one of the first uh, companies ever in the history of any company to get a billion dollar valuation while being profitable the whole time. Wow. So there's lots of, you know, if you think of Silicon Valley and, you know, the Facebooks and Teslas and all the all the crazy unicorn companies out there, the Ubers of the world, Amazon itself, that have gotten to those valuations, but they all were running at losses. So this model was profitable the whole time. Okay. That got a lot of people's attention uh, in the space. But, but that being said, you know, back to the risk thing is that, you know, it's one thing, hey, is this industry legit? But the, back to you, like an individual business, is your business sustainable um, besides just the IP and stuff like that? But even like your account is like, what's the account health of your, you know, again, is there stuff that's gone on that may put your business at risk with Amazon or whoever's buying it? So you want to make sure, and same thing with your products you're offering. Do you have any diversification of your product or is it all in like one, one skew, one product? And if that gets knocked out, the business would be in trouble. So for you, this is a career path that you've been doing, helping people exit their brands. Mm -hmm. And you're very good at it. I mean, you you helped me through the process. I've seen you help 
sellers who were making a lot more than I was um, exit successfully. So why are you doing this? Yeah, so it's just unique, kind of building off of uh, what we were just talking about before is, it's a unique intersection of what I did before in my life before e-commerce and then my experience in e-commerce. So I do think I have a unique perspective that because I um, was in the investor community beforehand with these private equity companies, I was in the board meetings and part of these acquisitions. And so I understood the model there and I have a financial background. And then with a lot of experience operating these businesses, you learn the kind of, you know, what it actually takes to do these things. So. It kind of came naturally. I remember a few years back when uh, Clubhouse was big, you'd be on these things and I'd be talking to people. Sometimes they have you know, a business that does $3 million, $4 million, and they had no idea they could sell the business. And, right. you know, and for just like you like to do, I think either of us, when you see there's an opportunity to help someone like that, uh, and this in this case is it wasn't a client of ours, just basically get on a phone and point them in the right direction. And you know, years later, they're like, "Wow, I exited my brand, and this is where it went." So, of course, if there's opportunities for help people, and we engage with clients, that's great. But even if you point them in the right direction, you can really, you know, help people make life-changing decisions um, with their business. So, yeah, for me, it's just a natural fit because I feel like I, I have experience in the space, and and I know some of the details that a lot of people in this space, you know, most operators, e-commerce, Amazon sellers are not going to be good at how to exit their business. There's just kind of different skill sets and you need a level of expertise. You're listening to the Fearless Sellers, the women of Amazon podcast. If you like what you're hearing, click the subscribe button. We have new content coming out all the time and you don't want to miss out. And for those who are looking to sell and you have the expertise of knowing the wide range of buyers that are out there. But in the Amazon space, it feels like everyone's like, oh, you should sell to an aggregator, which is not what I did, but I did explore the opportunity. Who are these buyers? Where do people find buyers for their business? It's a, it's a great question because I think it's just like you said, most people, it's hard to imagine who the buyers are right, in the space. And again, I always, it relates specifically to Amazon, which we'll, we'll talk about, but also broadly a business. Like who would buy a business? And you think in your head, well, like you said, is it these aggregators that are have formed within the space? Is it private equity, et cetera? The reality is the, the first answer is it's truly anybody might buy business, but we'll break it down into a few categories to, to simplify it. You know, at the high end, you're talking private equity. Private equity pools together. You know, they've got a, a fund of money. And they're typically in the Amazon space, they're gonna look to buy brands that are doing at least $2 million in uh, net income, right? So on the bottom line, 2 million. So you might be talking, right, five, six, up, you know, on up there, that's private equity. There's another um, similar that's called growth equity. And so these are guys that invest, but uh, they're gonna typically wanna take just a minority percentage. They're gonna wanna invest. They basically are, you know, believe in you as the operator or the owner or the entrepreneur, and so they want to invest to help you get there mm-hmm. for a minority percentage. Um, the other categories are, so you have private equity, growth equity, you have these aggregators. We talk about, uh, I think a lot of people are familiar with them, but essentially there are these companies that have raised a lot of money, and they're looking to kind of roll up a lot of these brands together. And there's a lot going on in the space, a lot of shakeout and changes in that space as well, too. Um, so beyond that, though, then there is we call the last really category strategic buyers. So strategic buyers would fall into two categories to me would be a strategic buyer could be, you know, if you're selling in, let's say pet supplements could be 
a big pet company out there that'd be like, oh, we'd love to, we could really use it, really fit in well with the rest of our company. Um, so any kind of bigger player. And then the, the other one is just kind of smaller entrepreneurs that are like, you know, there might be someone like, yeah, I've had people come to us that we've helped that like, hey, it's a father and a son. They just want to help their son get started and they don't want to start from scratch. So they're like, hey, let's just find a brand that we want to buy. And like I said, that can range from anyone on the planet might come to find your, your business. And I think, I mean, you've come across that with some of the ways you've researched over the years. I know with, you know, where you could look to, to sell your business, but, you know, there's the possibilities are endless in terms of, you know, who might want to buy your business outside of kind of those more formal buyers. Yes, and after I sold my Amazon brand, I started looking at other people's brands and products that I might want to buy. Because it's very interesting. And there is no right or wrong answer of selling your business. Same as like, it's your business, you grow your business. Who you sell it to is who, what is the best fit for you. But let's talk about what makes a brand or a company a good company for a buyer. Yes. So... The first thing, there's a few different elements, right? So the first element, even the setback is kind of what's the objective of the person selling the business, right? Because if I'm going to look to buy your business, I want to understand what your goals are as a seller of the business. Because are you looking to exit completely, right? Because you just want to get out of the business completely, or are you interested in potentially staying on to run the business, which again, can vary very differently from every person with the business because that dictates a lot who might be interested in buying the business, right? So, Well, I will tell you, there's a price for everything (laughs) because I was getting emotionally attached to my business and I was feeling I wasn't ready to exit. But then there's definitely a price to be like, oh, actually, I can let go of this business and I can rebuild a business if I want to. Yeah. And so, and again, sometimes it just matters where people are in their, their kind of their life plans and trajectory. Some people are literally just retiring. And so there's no way they want to stay on. Some people are burnt out, right? Some people have other interests and other people like, wow, if there's different opportunities. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give you some specific details and kind of what makes a good business to buy. But um, when you're selling the business, there's a lot of different structures too. So there's a lot of different type right. of agreements that come. Some people think I'm just selling the business, so I'll be kind of in or, you know, I'll either be, I'll sell and I'm out. Right. But the reality is there's multiple different ways and it depends what's the best fit for a given, uh, you know, a given entrepreneur. Well, and you want to set the buyer up for success with transition periods and inventory. And there is a lot of moving parts that go into exiting. And that is one of the reasons that anybody thinking about exiting, even if it's in like two, three, four, five years, they should get help and sooner rather than later connect on exiting because otherwise it feels like a rush and you might leave money on the table and it could be a lot of money. Yeah, it's just like, I think of it as you're bringing like a knife to a gunfight, right? So uh, I know you have members of your family that are experienced at deal making, right? That you buy and sell companies. That's a very high end skill, right? Because you're dealing with, you're dealing with multi-million dollar assets these are complex structures. There's legal aspect. There's risk. So if you're an operator of a business and you don't have experience in this, and you're going to go negotiate with people that do this for a living all day long, there's no way it's going to be a, a fair fight, right? So it's just common sense. Now, who you choose to use or what level, there's there's different ways. But absolutely, to go at it all by yourself 
is is really risky. Um, and I'll give you, I'll just give you a couple of metrics in terms of your question about you know what's a good business, so to speak, to kind of just give people some tangible numbers. At least it relates to the Amazon space. You know, as we said, people that are looking to buy the business, especially kind of professional investors, are looking for some level of again they they some level of risk mitigation, and they're looking for, and part of that risk mitigation is the success of the business. So, from a profitability standpoint, they're looking for typically margins, a margin percentage, because there's margin dollars, margin percentage. Typically, want a margin percentage nowadays of at least twenty percent, preferably twenty five or thirty percent. A few years back, probably you go a little 15%, 10%, you could get away with. But now those margins, you know, people are more, the buyers are more sophisticated than ever. So they're looking for, you know, at least 20% or more margins. They're also looking for year over year growth of the business. So your top line revenue, again, ideally of at least 20% on the top line as well, too. So 20% on the bottom, 20% growth. Of course, the more those numbers go up, so if you're at 30% growth, or I know when you're running your business, you you've talked a lot about you're really good at focusing on your margins. That is, you know, really pays off well. Um, but it's not an either or. You need, you know, they want to see growth and and margins. So the extent that you can, anyone can work on their business, you know, today and improve those areas, then uh, you can command a much bigger multiple, a much bigger payout when you exit. So what about when sales are kind of plateauing and their level? And those are kind of crossroads where sellers, I'm talking about Amazon sellers, are thinking, should I exit my business now because (laughs) of fear that it's going to dip down or you don't know where it's going? Or maybe they just don't feel like um, putting in the hard work to boost it back up. Yeah, it's it's unique in when you own your asset, it's riskier from that perspective than if you own an investment like in a stock or a mutual fund, right? Because if you own an asset, an investment like that, or even an asset like your home, think about like if you're, let's say you have a rental property or an investment property and it starts, it dips like 5%, the value of it, you know, was it worth a million? Now it's worth 955. You go, well, I'm going to sell it still. It's not quite as much. It's still a big profit from where I bought it. Your own business is that's a dangerous spot to get to, right? So if you get to that point, like I'm just trying to time it to get to that point and now it's going down. When it starts going down, you may not have any business to sell at that point because can you quote unquote sell it? Yes, but the hit you take is so big because I just said a, a moment ago, they're looking for 20% growth. If you're at minus 3% growth, again, it's too late. So to the kind of the point of your question, you have to really be careful that you don't try to time it to find the perfect time that, oh, the business start going down. You've got to really, you've got to uh, plan ahead. And there's a couple ways you can mitigate in terms of the deal structure. Like there's ways to kind of take chips off the table of like, hey, I'm going to sell while still going well, but I want to participate. You know, either I want to stay on or I want to have a bigger earnout so I can, we call kind of two bites at the apple. So you can take money off the table, but then as the business grows, or you help it grow in some capacity in the future, you can still get that upside as well. What are mistakes that e-commerce sellers, Amazon sellers, can try to avoid or completely avoid so that their business is healthy and an asset that buyers want? Yeah, so there's there's a phrase I like a lot, which is, what's good for selling a business is also good for running your business. Totally applies to 
to your Amazon brand, if it's a physical product, or even if you're a, a service provider in the space, which is you want to make sure things like your financials are huge. A lot of times we've worked with people and the, and the financials come in and they think they know their numbers. They think they have 20% margins or 30% margins, and they actually go through the accounting, the fundamentals of accounting, and they don't, uh, and their numbers are off or they haven't done them at all. So that's one thing. Another one, so you want to make sure that it's not just accounting as in like, you know, what your income is, but you also want to have a forecast, a plan going forward of what you're projecting the business, because that will really help when you sell the business that, hey, here's the runway, here's the plan, the strategic plan. So you want to have that on a regular basis. The other thing is you want to be careful in terms of, uh, Co, I call it co-mingling your business in some way. So a lot of us have, as entrepreneurs, we have lots of ideas, lots of business opportunities we see. You want to be really careful, for example, if you're running a you know, consulting business or coaching business or something else, that you're not mixing that in with your physical product brand financially, because that can really, really cost you. Yeah. So when you're talking about mixing things in, um, what I've seen people do is they'll run multiple things underneath an LLC, but they're separate brands and separate trademarks. To me, I think that's fine because most people don't purchase your LLC. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's not bad. It's better than when you're like running multiple brands through one account. Okay. So ideally, keep them through separate accounts. The ideal way is to have, you do want to have different LLCs um, because it depends how they're looking at your business. So if they just have to look at your financials, the the way what you don't want to do is go listen here are my financials but i know you can't see this but a lot of this uh, all this travel expense mostly this was us as owners of the business and when we're gone you're not going to have to pay that uh, and they're going to cuz the buyers are negotiating with you right so they're going to go wait is that your travel expense or is that your team's travel expense so there's things like right. that you want to but the best way to evolve, to solve that problem is to have that in a different entity altogether, so you don't have to have that discussion. Because if you're doing, you know, five hundred thousand dollars in net profit, um, and you come to them and say, "Well, there's five hundred thousand expenses that really, you know, are, should be or a different business," they're gonna, "Well, we don't believe that." You know, so the more you can take that out of there, or at least document it clearly, the better, because uh, otherwise it can cost you several hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, because you have legal fees and you have to separate everything out. And it costs you time, too. And one of the struggles I actually had when I was looking to exit is you still have to efficiently run your business while Mm. trying to exit, which was a bigger beast than I was expecting. It was a lot of digging back through financials, looking at all the cogs and every tiny little thing that takes up time while I'm still trying to run my business and then you want I wanted to get ahead of the inventory so that it looked really good for any of the buyers like <laughs> hey not only are we selling thousands of units per month but we're also getting ahead of it so that you will have inventory when you purchase so you can get off and running I had an uh, end date in mind like for me it's like this if somebody does not buy this by February March then I'm going to have to run it for another year. Hmm. Yeah. So you made the the point you made is exactly right in terms of you wanted it to be perceived this business is like ready to be off and running for the next person, and so that just applies across the business. Because if you think about you know your business and a, a similar type business of yours, if someone's looking at two different businesses to buy, 
One is like messy. The financials aren't in order. They've got all sorts of different stuff. The, the sellers are having to tell you that, you know, these financials, these expenses aren't going to exist versus someone else that you've planned this business to make it as easy as possible. You have some standing operating procedures for them to do. You've combed through the business so it's like lean and mean and efficient. Then, you know, that's really going to make your business more attractive than, you know, than someone else. And of course, you know, the growth rate's still there. You've picked the right time. You haven't waited too long to try to exit your brand. Yeah, that's a good point. You want it to be unique and special. And after I exited and I was looking at other Amazon brands, ASIN's products to purchase, I talked, and I I brought you in on, on this too, but I talked seriously with several brands and they weren't special and unique. And I came to the conclusion on three of them that, hey, it's cool you have momentum of sales, but for the price you're asking, and I'm not that impressed, I can just rebuild this product and sell it and launch it myself on Amazon. Like I don't need to purchase your <laughs> product just because you've been selling it for two years. Like I can make up that time real quick. Yeah, you'll, if you guys watch Shark Tank, a lot of people do, they'll talk about that. Like they'll hear an idea, or you know, Kevin O'Leary, one of those guys will hear someone talk and they're like, wait, how is this, the, why can't I just yeah. do this myself? Why do I have to pay you $5 million for this business where we could, I could just get my team to launch this exact thing and, and get there much faster and cheaper? Right, and maybe if it's your first time buying an Amazon business, it would be nice to have something that already has momentum going and you can take it over and if it's at the right price point for you, totally go for it. But for seasoned sellers, it's gotta be very special and unique for me not to look at it and for you not to look at it and be like, hey, you know what? We can just do that ourselves. Yeah, no, no, totally true, totally true. One, one more uh, little, I'll call it like a financial hack or a mindset I would recommend just in terms of talking about how valuable your business is, which is when you're thinking about running your business is when, it, particularly around expenses, is a lot of people think that, let's say you spend uh, $200 on a software per month you know, nice software, $200, you think, uh, and because a lot of people have a lot of different tools and softwares in their business, True. So often more than you need. Sometimes we forget that we have subscriptions. There's just a lot going on, right? And so keep in mind that the $200 isn't a $200 expense per month. It's actually, you have to think of it in terms of what the multiple for your exit is. So if you're going to get a 6X multiple, so that $200 expense isn't costing you 200. It's costing you $2,400 for the year times six, all right, so uh, I made myself, it was at 50, like $15,000 that's costing you off of your exit. So that's 15 grand just for using that software. So keep in mind every expense, it's why you wanna be really lean and mean and cut that down because all that will add back in. So just keep in mind with every aspect of your business that your multiple is how you need to think about it and try to cut back everything you don't need that isn't necessary. That's a great point. And for my business, because it was an Amazon business and there was no travel, and if I wanted to go to an event, I did that out of my own pocket because I personally do not like seeing on anyone's P&Ls or just their uh, financials 
the entertainment. <laughs> and I learned that in my corporate life because you could look at people's entertainment expenses and I would sit in board meetings and they would pull up the entertainment expenses and it was embarrassing for the company. So, <laughs> you know, people might think, hey, I don't want to work for Joey now. She pulls out the entertainment. But, you know, I'd rather personally pay for it and reward our team than have that be. Yeah. And like I said, and, you know, people can handle it differently. You take it on your own. We talked about earlier, or potentially, if it's truly a separate, you can also run it through a different. If you, you know, if consultancy, or at a minimum, document. Because even if if it is you, let's say it's your personal travel as the owner, as long as you notate it separately, they know that, you know, hey, that would not. You can back that out. So those are basically they'll subtract that. Hey, that's not going to be an expense going forward. But whereas, like the rest of your team going to events, those are like, okay, those are probably going to exist after they buy the business. If necessary, so yeah, you want to be clear and, like I said, ideally, what you did solve the problem. You don't really, you want to minimize those kind of negotiations about those are called addbacks. You don't want to negotiate that. Hey, don't count this expense. Don't count this expense because the more you do that, the more, again, they're going to negotiate against you for that. Exactly. Yeah, the addbacks, and I went through that with my business, and it was very cool to see what I had taken from my corporate life and applied to this business because I knew I wanted to sell it. Uh, what are other ways that sellers can get higher multiples from their buyer? Yeah, so I think the biggest theme is is what we touched upon is to try to make your business look as attractive as possible. You know, in the order of things, the risk mitigation, make sure you have your IP protection, make sure you have a way to do that. They also want to see that there is an ability to... Uh, to continue to grow. And so in the Amazon space, it's really about the ability to launch new products in that category and space, because at some point that growth is gonna, for a given product, is gonna plateau, right? So you can't keep it forever. And so they wanna be able to see that, hey, there's some kind of engine and ability to launch new products and grow. Yeah, we talk about that in AMZ Insiders, is you continue to do as much as you can in the marketplace you're in, and it, well, you actually did this with your cell phone business, right? It's like you did as much as you could selling on Amazon in the U.S. And then you expanded into retail and then other countries. And that's very attractive for your business that you did that and you built such a big team. And then on the smaller side with my business that was zero to a million in 12 months, I was doing everything I could in the U.S. And I had buyers in other countries coming to me. I didn't. It wasn't like I was like, oh, this should be in Europe. It was people from Australia or New Zealand that were interested in the product. I thought, okay, well, those should be markets that I should launch in soon or tee it up for the buyers. Yeah, that's the the beauty of it nowadays, right? That you don't have to do it all, but you identified, like, that's a great example. I love the fact that you knew from running your business that there was a demand for your product internationally and in certain spots. Then that's great because you can get that makes your business more attractive to a buyer and essentially you get a multiple or gain for just having that what we call runway, right? Because you know the phrase is it's not what the seller is selling. So it's not what you're selling your business, what's the buyer is buying, right? And so with that in mind, it's like, what is attractive and what's the opportunity? There's a, the reason they're paying a multiple for your business is because they think they can make multiple times, right? The growth rate and everything else. So how are they going to get there? Whether it's products, whether it's market, there's, you know, there's limited risk, all these things need to be in place in order for you to command bigger multiple. And the other, the last thing around the multiple thing is that, you know, as the business gets bigger, 
So besides just the profit margins, um, but just this physical size of the business, like the total revenue, the total net income, that will naturally also give you a bigger multiple um, off the numbers because it's just, you know, as you get to bigger sizes, you mentioned earlier, there's legal expense. There's basically a set of infrastructure that takes place with any transaction. So the bigger the business, the more attractive it is. And one thing um, I've seen people do, or one thing you can, potential sellers can do with their business is you essentially can partner with other sellers. Like for example, if you took your brand and found other brands, it's not easiest to do, so that's why you want some help, but other people maybe in your category or else that were interested in also selling, you can put your brands together and command a higher multiple. So instead of selling a million dollar business, maybe there's 10 of you selling a 10 or $20 million business. And so now you're getting that bigger multiple off the 10, 20 million apply to your piece as opposed to just your business by itself. Yes. And those are intricate and complicated. <laughs> and if I were going to go that path, I would definitely be like, Jamie, you got to <laughs> take me down this road because that's a lot. Yeah. There's just, that's like I said earlier, that's the part that there's a lot of ways to to structure deals and to be part of it. And, uh, you know, to me, I tend to think most people, if they're not looking to get completely out of it, the way to hedge is potentially do these deals, but um, again, leave some chips on the table by taking what we called rolled equity, meaning you maintain some equity, again, depending on the, the circumstances and the goal of the, of the person selling the business. Yeah, I really like that advice. And I also am curious, just because you've been a part of a lot of people's exits what and you don't have to give specific names or companies mm -hmm. or examples but what are some mistakes that you've seen and don't bring up any of mine <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah so i mean i think the the biggest thing that the most common one is just people starting too late into the process so like hey i'm ready to sell my business so now i want to go i want to sell it quickly right and so one thing is oper operators and entrepreneurs we're kind of impatient and be the same way and once you mentally think i want to sell this business you like kind of want to do it as fast probably as possible because you said earlier it is hard to it's hard to mentally think about selling your business and also do a great job running it and so what happens is you know a mistake is just people wait too long they get into it and because they want to sell maybe in the next two to six months but the reality is they have six months to a year maybe even longer of work to get that right because if you don't have that process in place around your financials and really understanding your margins and the value of your business, you need to get that, get it ready. Otherwise you're going to leave so much money on the, on the table. So that, see, that's a big one. Um, the other one, which we touched upon a little earlier is just waiting too long, yes. right? You waited too long. And like I said, you, it's very difficult. It's kind of like a, it falls off because if, if your business is down a few percent, you don't get you know, a few percent less on the deal. You get a dramatically lower percentage, which you may probably don't want to sell at that point, or it's just not sellable. So you want to be careful. At the end of the day, the most important thing is beyond having like me at the table negotiating for you or someone great doing that. It's really about the quality of your business. And so, you know, you need to run a good business that's healthy, that's growing, that has the things in place we talked about earlier. And if you do that, you know, there'll be plenty of options. But if you don't, then, uh, then you have the rest. Oh, and the last thing I would say too is nowadays you got to make sure that you're built, running your business the right way. If you're into like the old days, like we do with all the you know, black hat tactics and everything else, your business will definitely be unsellable if you're manipulating reviews, because it goes back to what I said, the number one thing a buyer is worried about is risk before the growth, everything else. And if your business is at risk because you've done these things, 
then you know once they get any sense of that, the business will not be sellable. That is a phenomenal tip because they're going to dig through everything in your account and your account health and marketing tips and things you've done. And you really want to be compliant, especially in 2023. Just be compliant. Do everything with, well, I'm saying this to you and you're giving me a funny look because Amazon evolves so much and e-commerce evolves. And I knew those black hat tricks and I didn't have to do any of them because my product was good and I was in a niche. And I was focused on beating out the three big brands that were in my niche. And Mm. what I thought about with building my brand is they have more money, they have a bigger name, but I have more energy and I'm not an employee. And so I knew I was going up against those big brands employees selling on Amazon. I wasn't going up against the owners. Mm. And that was something that gave me confidence to drive forward, to build a brand. And I didn't want to build it as big as those companies that are household names, but I wanted to build it big enough so that somebody wanted to buy it. Love that. And in a way, you you did it like just right, that mindset. Sometimes it's coming into the space, it's it's good what you don't know. So you weren't, we're probably weren't as tempted around some of those old, I'll call it bad habits. So what you described is, is perfect and what I'd recommend to anyone how to think about it. And the good thing is it's what Amazon... The, the whole design of selling is is geared around that. So it's a win-win. You don't want to have to put your own business at risk anyways. And so you're, you really want to focus on brand building. And you nailed it. The most important thing was you had a really good product in a, uh, in a niche. We say there's riches and niches. So that's uh, you know your example and your story is, is a great example for anyone. Well, Jamie, our time is about up. But this has been an awesome conversation and if the listeners want to get your help exiting or amz insiders our Mm -hmm. business but if they want your help planning for an exit or they're in the middle of an exit and they have some questions what's the best way to get in touch with you yeah whether you're looking for active help or if you just have questions you want to run stuff by me uh, I love to have these conversations just like you and I had back in the day and other sellers. So I'm happy to talk to anyone who's interested in it. Uh, we have, you can go to amzexit.com. If you go to amzexit.com, we'll help you get a, uh, a free evaluation of what your business might be worth and run it through some of the criteria we talked about to see, you know, more importantly, some of the things you might want to work on and be uh, aware of regardless if you, you work with us or not. Uh, or feel free to email me. My email is uh, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at amzinsiders.com. And just uh, shoot me a note like that uh, that you'd like an evaluation or, or help. And uh, myself and our team will, will jump on and look to help you out and make sure that you can get to that, uh, that premium exit and plan for it in the appropriate time amzexit.com and you're offering a free valuation for any e-commerce brand? Yeah, any any brand no matter where you're at uh, as long as you're, you know, active selling and uh, you know, we have run into a lot of people that you, you can get into a panic. We've run into people that are doing 7 million that want to get 20 million. There's a lot going on, so uh, I have a lot of experience in the space. I think it's stuff we work on as a team, how to run these businesses. So if nothing else, we'll point you in the right direction and uh, make sure you know that you're thinking about it the right way to prepare for, for your own exit, which will be the biggest payday in your, uh, in your Amazon selling career. 
Well, thank you for all this insight on how to achieve a premium exit for your brand. And until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session. We can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. Fearless.